anointed Lord. In adoration, she comes to preach your word. has redeemed himself. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, as, so the just shall live by faith. I'm going to look into that scripture uh, quite a bit more this morning. So the world is driving forward its own agenda. There are new forms of family, sex, sexuality, the progression of modern technology and all of which is meant to make our life easier. The erosion of truth and the acceptance of you can believe whatever you want now. There is no, no more one truth. This is what the world is saying. Our, a world where our children are being taught more by the school's agenda and less and less the truth at home. Where right is now wrong and wrong is now right. Our government is in turmoil as to how to mitigate the cost of living crisis, rising inflation, and the impact of the Ukrainian war. When Liz Truss resigned, I, and my, myself and my daughter you know, watched it on the news, I just said, God, thank God that you never resign. Yeah. <laughs> thank God that I rely on you. I don't rely on politicians. Thank God that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you will never leave me. You've got my back and you've got my front. And I just began to praise the Lord because there's turmoil. And within this world, there is a blanket of fear. There are so many things to be fearful of. And I want to remind you today of many of God's promises from his word. In Haggai 1 and verse 7, it says, Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've so much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. We clothe you, but there is none warm. He that earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag of holes. Does that sound like the cost of living crisis? But yet God says, consider your ways. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to consider your ways. Because these things are happening. Sometimes we are party to the effect they have on us. But God wants you to consider your ways. And I was just thinking uh, during praise and worship that when Jesus had to render unto Caesar that which was Caesar's, uh, he didn't say, oh, I need to go home, switch off the electric, cut this off, turn this down. He, he tapped into God's instruction. And God provided for him to render unto Caesar. So I want to encourage you today in this message, you to tap into God so that you can render unto Caesar that which is his. And so I begin with prayer. And how we pray. And do we pray? Some of us pray. Some of us wish. When you pray, and it is funny, so you, you can laugh. When you pray, you start off with, a, um, you start off with an acknowledgement of who you are praying to. 
And it's important to know the God that you serve. It's important to know his names, his many facets, and the many things he can do for you. And that's at the beginning of your prayer. You don't enter into prayer wailing and travailing, but you need to know who you are praying to. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace. So it starts with an acknowledgement. Then there is your petition. And then there is gratitude and thanksgiving. There is a a kind of um, process that we have been taught, and we can see this also in in the Lord's Prayer. But it's important to focus on who you're praying to, what you're praying about, and thanking God that we can pray to him. And there is is an an ability for us to, to focus on God and his magnitude. We shouldn't be focusing on simply what we're praying about. So prayer starts with faith, is delivered in faith, and ends with faith. If there is no faith in your prayer, then are you talking to yourself, or is it a wish? A wish is a desire for something. It's a request or a mandate or a command at times. Sometimes we come before God and we command him to do things. That must be a wish. We cannot command God. A wish also does not require anything of you. Anybody could wish. It's wishing something and there's no part for you to play. But not so with prayer. With prayer, God wants us to acknowledge him. He wants us to come into his presence. And there is a requirement of us to tap into his mindset. To tap into his mindset and the frequency of his thoughts. In Isaiah 55 and verse 8, the Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In this cost of living crisis, God isn't going to rain down money from heaven, but through prayer and tapping into the frequency of the Holy Spirit and God's thoughts, He's going to give you ideas and instructions and solutions for you to act on. Not for you to just watch and thank him for, but for you to participate in. Because we have a relationship with him. All of what we are going through in life is a training ground. And he wants you to hear his voice and he requires your obedience. In March of 2020... Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, he's the pastor of the Revival Church at Tampa Bay. He had an encounter with the Lord, and during this encounter, he received this prophecy. And this is March of 2020. The end is not yet, but I'm sifting my people, separating the wheat from the tears, the profane from the holy, the false from what is real. I'm purifying my bride because I'm getting them ready for my coming. Because I love you so much and you're not ready, I'm going to get them ready. And this was March of 2020. God in his grace and mercy, he's not coming 
without giving us warning. He's not coming just yet because there are other people that he is going to use us in their lives to bring them into the kingdom. It would be unjust of him to come before the time. So he's given many of us assignments. And there are some of us today in our current state, we would not make heaven. But God is gracious. It's our job to share the gospel and, and to do what he's called us to do. So God is getting ready to deploy us. This is what God wants to do in us. He said in Isaiah 41, Behold, I will make thee a new, sharp, freshing instrument, having teeth, that you shall fresh the mountains and beat them small, and shall make the hills as chaff. In Isaiah 43 and verse 19, he said, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is a a determined God and he's a graceful God and he loves us. However, in Hebrews 10 verse 38, the Bible says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And I was thinking about if any man draws back, that, he, that God will not be pleased. Now, if, you're, if your father, now supposing your father's, you know, you're, you're in, a, in, a, in a bind and your, your father says, jump, I'm going to catch you. The person that you love, the person that you trust, and he says, jump, and he says it with authority, and he says it with, with magnitude, jump, and you don't jump. How would he feel that you don't trust him, that he loves you and you don't trust him and you just quiver? And that's, and that's equivalent to the word that says, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. It's offensive to deliberately not trust the Lord. Drawing back is a Greek word, and it, 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 the Greek word is hupostele. And it means the timidity of one stealthily retreating. So drawing back, isn't that obvious, I'm not going to church anymore? You can be in church, you can love the Lord, but you are, through timidity, you are stealthily retreating. And sometimes... And another word for that is shrinking. Sometimes you're shrinking even in God's presence. And you're shrinking largely because of fear. In the next verse, in verse 39, the Bible goes on to say, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We're not drawing back unto perdition. Perdition is destruction and ruin and perishing. So when you draw back, you're not going back to the good old days. You're not going back to the, to, to the, the nice things that you left. The Bible says that um, a, dog, a dog returns to its vomit. And when I was thinking about that this morning, the dog isn't returning to the food. It's returning to the waste matter. And that's what that's what would happen to you if you shrink and draw back unto perdition. You're going back to 
destruction and ruin. In the next verse, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, after God tells you that just so live by faith, that you should not draw back, that we are not people that draw back, he then says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So after he tells you that there's no option to draw back, unless you want to go back to worse than what you had before, he says, now, let's get down to the matter, to the business. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance means the foundation, the quality of, the steadfastness of mind. Faith is the steadfastness of your mind. It's your firmness. It's your courage. It's your resolution. Faith is also your confidence. It's your assurance. It's where you can put your trust. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You cannot please God without faith. Faith is a currency. And then he goes on in Hebrews 11 to talk about mighty men of valour and women who died in faith, having not received the promise. And there are things that God wants us to do. We may not see the end of it, but we are equivalent to those mighty men and women of valour because of the faith in us. So Isaiah, Isaiah 61 is a, our mandate and gives us um, an indication of our assignment, that we have been anointed to, to preach to the meek, the brokenhearted, the captives, those that are bound and those that mourn. And those are titles that we read in the Bible. Um, and who knows what these people look like? They look like you and I, ordinary people. And surprisingly, many of them don't know that they're brokenhearted. They may not know that they're captives. They may not know that they're bound. And they may not even know that they're mourning. But our mandate is that we are the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its savour, what use is it? We are the light of the world. We are the salt and the life, light. So what are we going to do with the faith that God gives us and freely makes available? Well, James says, what does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he has faith and has no works, can faith save him? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being alone. Yes, a man may say that I have faith and I have works, but show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Because we know that the word says that faith without works is dead. And sometimes when you look at your Christian walk, it seems like I've got to do another thing. I've got to do this and this and this. All these processes, it seems complicated. And it, sometimes it feels like you're being trapped. But once you learn to adjust to God's way of doing things, God's way of thinking, and once you embark upon what he has instructed you to do, it then becomes much, much more easier. So we have to have works attached to our faith because God is preparing us for deployment 
and he's going to deploy us. To be prepared, we need to renew our mind. Romans says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans says that we are not to be conformed to this world. And it's easy to be conformed because there's so much infiltration of the world in our life. We are in the world, but not of the world. So we must not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. And in, in this church, recently through the prayers and prayer meetings and the fasting, God is building a unity. There are many references in the New Testament of the people being of one mind and the same mind. And there is a power in unity. There is a power in what God is doing in our life, in our vision, where God is helping us to use our swords. The sword is not simply the word of God, but it's also when we use the word, how we use the word. Back in the day, uh, in boxing matches, it was all about the size of the boxer and the power of the boxer. But when you watch boxing today, there's a lot more tactical know-how required. You can't just throw punches like a machine. You have to be tactical, and God wants us to be tactical in how he deploys us and in how we use God's word. So deployment, the word deployment means the placement or arrangement like military personnel in position for a particular use or purpose. And God wants to deploy us into this world. Miles Monroe said that a job is what you were trained to do. Your work is what you were born to do. Sorry, I've got to change this page. Employment can prepare you for deployment. Your job is your career. Your work is your life assignment. Your job is your skill. Your work is your gift. You can be fired from your job, but you can never be fired from your work. You can retire from your job, but you can never retire from your work. Jobs are temporary, but the work God has called you to do is permanent. Now, God gives us, so we have the faith. We need to know how to have works to our faith. Not all the works that we're going to do are in the public realm. There are works and things that God has been speaking to you about and pricking you to maneuver you into what you need to be doing. But he's also given us wisdom. Wisdom is more than knowledge. It is the application of knowledge and the discernment that comes from perspective. In Psalms 25 and verse 14, it says that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. One man said, a pastor, I think his name's Oli Depo, he summed up that scripture like this. It takes the fear of God to access the wisdom of God. And that's what we need. Why would God give us his wisdom if we have no reverence for him? What a waste that would be. So he wants to give us his wisdom. 
And the other day I was walking home and I was moaning to the Lord about things. And I was moaning about people that don't listen. And he said to me in one of Pastor Kelly's phrases, welcome to my world, Mitzi. And he said, Mitzi, then he reminded me of a scripture. And he said that wisdom is crying out in the streets, Mitzi. It's crying out in the streets. It's free. And people are just ignoring it. So I'm going to read a number of verses from Proverbs 1 and verse 20. And it's entitled, this is the, this is the Passion Translation. It's called Wisdom's Warning. So wisdom's praises are sung in the streets and celebrated far and wide. Yet wisdom's song is not always heard in the hall of higher learning, in the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Its lyrics can always be heard above the din of the crowd. You will hear wisdom's warning as she preaches courageously to those who stop to listen. Foolish ones, if there's any foolish ones here, how much longer will you cling to your deception? How much longer will you mock wisdom? You cynical scorners who fight the facts. Come back to your senses and be restored to reality. Don't even think about refusing rebuke. Don't you know that I'm ready to pour out my spirit of wisdom upon you and bring you the revelation of my words that will make your hearts wise? I've called to you over and over. Still you refuse to come to me. I've pleaded with you again and again, yet you've turned a deaf ear to my voice. Because you laughed at my counsel and have insisted on continuing in your stubbornness, I will laugh when your calamity comes. I will turn away from you at the time of your disaster. Make joke of my advice, will you? Then I'll make a joke out of you. When the storm clouds, when the storm clouds of terror gather over your head, when dread and distress consume you and your catastrophe comes like a hurricane, you will cry out to me, but I won't answer. Then it will be too late to expect my help. When desperation drives you to search for me, I will be nowhere to be found. Because you have turned up your nose at me and closed your eyes to the facts and refused to worship me in awe because you scoffed at my wise counsel and laughed at my correction, now you will eat the bitter fruit of your own ways. You've made your own bed, now lie in it. So how do you do that? Like an idiot, you've turned away from me. You chose destruction instead of yourself. You chose destruction instead. Your self-satisfied smugness will kill you. But the one who listens to me will live undisturbed in a heavenly peace. Free from fear, confident and courageous. That one will rest unafraid and sheltered from the storms of life. Amen. What a passage. When I read that, I thought, are you, you're talking in such clarity about how people live. And wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is free. Wisdom is a key that can unlock the provision for you, the source for you, so that you may render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and much more and have, have means and resources for the kingdom. 
So again, I say, consider your ways. In Habakkuk 2, the Bible says to write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run with it. It goes on to say that the vision is for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and shall not lie. In verse 4, he reminds us that the just shall live by faith. And by faith, there were many people in the Bible who applied their faith to situations. And one of which that I'm going to speak about quickly is Abigail. So Abigail was the wife of... um, Nabal, thank you. And um, so David and his soldiers were traveling somewhere and they came across Nabal's uh, shepherds and Nabal's flock. And they abode next to the shepherds and the flock and they provided protection to the shepherds and the flock. Once the flock were home, David sent one of his servants to Nabal to say, because we looked after your shepherds and your flock, please, you know, consider giving us something, anything as a a token of gratitude. And Nabal said to the servant, who's David? He could be anybody. He could be some, any runaway slave, some servant. I'm not giving him nothing. Go about your business. But when the servant told David, David got mad. And he said, right, you 400, come with me. 400, not four, not 40, not 400. One of the servants who was present when David's servant spoke to Nabal went and spoke to Abigail and said, Abigail, this is what happened. David is irate and he's he's coming here to kill every one of us and take what he wants. Abigail said, okay, okay, you know what? Go and get 10 sheep, 200 figs, how much bread, how much oil, how much grain, load it up and follow me. So she was going to intercede on behalf of Nabal. And she found David. And just like prayer, she acknowledged him. She came before him. She reverenced him. And then she made her plea. She made her petition to him about his wisdom, about the foolishness of her husband, about the the gratitude that they should have had, about what he deserves, what she's bought for, for him, and why it wouldn't be a good idea for him to pursue this, this course of action. And she thanked him and she said, we've got these gifts for you and, and I'm so sorry. Put it on me. She interceded. And he was moved by her intercession. And he said, because of you this day, I will not do this what I had purposed in my heart. And she interceded. And this is how God wants to use you and I. In, it seems like a simple way, but our intervention into people's lives will affect the course of their life. She didn't go and quote scriptures She was a a living vessel to intercede. She said something that affected this man and his 400 soldiers. He was enraged. And yet her attitude and God, when God sends you, he anoints you too. 
He doesn't just send you cold with no seasoning. He's going to anoint you. He prepares you, yeah? Because he wants to come back for his bride. But he ain't coming back for a bride that's just sitting in front of the telly waiting for him to come, yeah? He says, he says work. He says, work till I come. Be about God's business. That's, that's what he's waiting for. So as I close, faith without works is dead. The just shall live by faith, that there is no option to draw back. There's nothing back there for you. It is worse than what you remember. All right? It's worse. And God wants you to trust him, tap into him, consider your ways, listen to him, accept the free wisdom that he wants to give you so that you can unlock the provision you need and be a blessing to others too. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you, and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.